Hi, I'm Melvin York with Gardening with Daddy Pete, and today we're going to be talking about winter food storage. Now, hopefully you've been successful with your summer garden and with your spring gardens, and uh, we do hope that you'll go on and plant a fall garden uh, if you're in an area that you can. Here in Piedmont, North Carolina, we're lucky enough to be able to do that. We can usually squeeze three crops a year out, which works real well. We can get two uh, cold weather crops and usually one spring summer crop. If your garden's been successful and you're starting to eat those fresh vegetables when they come in, then all of a sudden you look around and you have this abundant supply of vegetables and what to do with them. Well, um, there are several things you can do and you can put up for the winter. We know just by going to the grocery stores and looking around that we do have shortages of food and just about um, every category that's on the shelves, it seems like. And uh, then again, we've been doing another one. If you'll uh, tune in and get a chance to listen to our podcast uh, when we're talking about uh, global food. Uh, with the Daddy Peak podcast, which is another one that we're doing. Kind of gives you an idea of why you want to uh, garden and why you do want to store your crops for the winter. Um, we're going to go back into 30, 40, 50 years ago and uh, to bring about some of these things and some ways to store your food for the winter. Now, there's different ways that you can store your food. You can store them. You can freeze them. You can can them. Uh, today we have uh, a lot of the uh, freeze-dried methods. Uh, people dry stuff through uh, outside means. It used to be done years ago. And we actually have food dehydrators uh, that you can use. So there are several different ways that you can go about drying these foods. Uh, again, we're looking also to conserve energy. And uh, if we do have an emergency, and that's the reason, one of the reasons people put up food years ago, especially along the Appalachian Trail, um, there was an abundance of food. There were poor people, and uh, they had large families to feed. So food storage was a big thing for, the, for them. So let's talk just a little bit about some of the things you can do. Now, um, one thing is dried food. Uh, again, we talked about there are a lot of ways to dry it. One thing you get with dried food is that it doesn't take any power to store it. It uh, doesn't take any power to can it. Uh, but yet you still have uh, the food, and it's still uh, a great tasting, great nutrition. Um, and uh, you have the food when you need it. I've always been intrigued by the term, uh, one of the things that I heard my wife talk about, her father was from Tennessee, and I heard him talk about a lot, was called leather britches. And for you people that don't know what britches are, they're pants, but uh, they were called leather britches. And you would see those a lot in the Appalachian realm. Uh, the people, the foothills, uh, again, people that uh, 
grow their gardens, bigger gardens. Uh, in that area of the mountains, there was a lot of pole beans grown, and uh, they were very abundant when they did produce, and uh, they needed a way to preserve them. Back then, it wasn't just always you had the money to go can, forget freezing, and so you needed a way to uh, provide for your family during the winter. Leather britches was a green bean uh, that they used, and they actually got them when they started to make a bean inside of the green bean pod itself. I know the ones we buy at the store, we like to buy them when they're young and they're fresh, and we snap them, and we cook those, and they don't have any beans in them yet. And those are delicious, by all means. But again, um, I'm out of the old camp, the old school, and uh, I like to grab green beans on the second or third run where you've been out to pick the beans, miss some, and they've actually turned uh, almost yellow, the holes have, or pods, and uh, the seeds or the bean is there. And then you still have a tender one, and we used to call that, and still we do it at our house, jellies. That's when you mix the two together and cook them, and to me, that's still the best. But in your leather britches, you want uh, it to be producing a medium-sized, small to medium-sized bean. And when you pick them, you want to give them a wash, uh, make sure they're good and dry, and you do no more than take a needle and thread and you string them. You run the needle through the end that comes off of the stem. Not the pointed end, but the end that comes off the vine, the stem vine. You want to take your needle, thread those up so high, and then you actually just hang them up to dry. Now, uh, sometimes insects could get them, and uh, different varmints could go after them. But in today now, you could bring those in the house if you have a screened-in porch or you have a place in your house, and you can actually let them dry. Usually it takes two to three months for those to dry, and they just find a, uh, a cool, uh, dark place to let them hang. Uh, now, that's one way of preserving some beans. You have no cost of canning, no cost of freezing, and uh, the only thing you do with that, and there's actually several recipes on how to cook these beans. And believe it or not, they will shrink down. They look terrible. They look almost like leather in that form. But when you hydrate them again, they just look like a regular green bean. That's one way to do it. So let's, let's give you, uh, uh, there's um, several different foods you can store in the wintertime. If you have a basement or if you have a uh, um, cellar, uh, a root cellar, which by all means, I think is a great thing to have. Uh, a lot of people maybe don't have room for one, but there's so many different ways to build a root cellar now. If you don't have a basement that uh, you can keep your food, and again, you can take it straight out, prep it, go into the root cellar, and there's no canning, no freezing. If you lose the power, no big deal. You don't spend the uh, power, the jars, the lids, the chance of it going bad uh, when you do that. Now, if you want to stock up on keepers for the fall, uh, these are things you may want to think about when you're uh, planting your garden next year. You can always save money on crops that you grow. Or here's another thing, too. 
uh, if I myself don't grow a certain crop, but in peak season of the harvest, when everybody's is coming in, so to speak, or it's ready available, uh, that's when the crop is the least expensive. That's the time for you to buy. I know that in uh, early summer, you get uh, people buying corn. Uh, they're starting to sell corns coming in that's fresh. But after a couple of weeks, you'll notice that the price of corn's going down. This year, I've seen it start out at $6 a dozen. And I have seen it down now as low as $3 a dozen. And it's still nice corn, nothing wrong with it. But everybody's flooding the market on fresh corn. So three bucks a dozen, it's hard to grow it for that. So what you want to do is that's the time to get your corn put up. and uh, whatever, however you are going to can it or freeze it or whatever. And corn will be one of those that you can do. And there's a lot of ways that you can save time and money on uh, saving corn and preparing it for uh, your winter food storage. Uh, you use less energy a lot of times if you're doing the drying method. If you do uh, the uh, root cellar, uh, you have your basement. And another big one we're going to be talking about on a um, on our podcast of global food, uh, Daddy Pete, is food security. Uh, you don't have to worry about where your food came from. Uh, you grew it. You know where it came from. You knew how it was put up. And that way you don't have to worry about feeding that to yourself or your family. Now, some of the crops that you can do, uh, here's the thing about it. If you have a basement, well, it gets too cold down there. If it doesn't freeze down there, it's not too cold. Actually, uh, most of your temperatures uh, for keeping vegetables and potatoes and different things like that, it's going to be uh, from 32 to 50 degrees, 45, and that would be good. So don't worry about that. Uh, some of the things that you can do is beet, beets. Uh, now, beet is more than just uh, people make pickles out of beets. Uh, beet is just about like a potato. Uh, it can be used a lot of different ways, and I know that a lot of people thought, well, you know, I've never tried that. Well, beets is uh, actually one that uh, doesn't get a lot of exposure, but is a very good root crop. And uh, you can store beets uh, uh, an easy way, and you can do the same thing with if you've grown some large carrots. You can trim the tops and the tap root to about one inch. You want to kind of just brush off uh, the loose soil that you did when you uh, pull them up or you harvest them. Do not wash either one, a beet or a carrot. You can take some wooden boxes if you've got some, line it maybe in some burlap. And what you want to do as you're packing these beets or keratin, you like to keep some damp, not wet. Uh, sand, like uh, builder sand or sawdust, that's fresh sawdust. Uh, an ideal storage for beets or carrots is somewhere between 32 and 35 degrees. They like a lot of humidity. Uh, so don't worry about that. Well, it's too damp in my basement. No, it's probably not. If it's cool, damp's not going to hurt it because. If you get something, uh, area that doesn't have a lot of humidity in, it's going to draw the moisture out of the vegetable. So 
but beets or carrots that you prepare this way in that environment will last five to six months. So, again, if you use beets for your fall garden or if you use carrots for your fall crop, pull those out. It's going to give you, say, five-month storage. That's going to pull you straight on out of the winter and back in to the time that if you planted that spring garden, you should be close to harvesting that again. Uh, parsnips, again, you can uh, do the, about the same thing with those. Uh, rutabagas, uh, turnips, uh, again, will store the same way. Winter radishes, you can do those. Now, let's take some fruits. How about apples, pears? There's a lot of pear varieties that come on in the fall. Uh, you also want to choose a pear or an apple that's known for their storage capabilities. Uh, I know an old time one, a good one around, people was the limber twigs. They would hang around for a long time uh, in the winter. We used to store those in the basement in apple crates. It was cold down there. Uh, we would uh, hang them up uh, from the four joists to the house or in the basement. And we would still have fruit at Christmas time. I just make sure that uh, you wrap those apples, which is nice if you do that in a sheet of newspaper or uh, either shred some paper up, store them in that, but make sure that it's in a well ventilated box or crate. Apples and pears both release ethylene gas that can increase the ripening process of some of the vegetables. So you want to make sure you locate those away from some of your other storage crops. That's one reason we always kept them hanging. Uh, they do like a humidity of 80 to 90%. And again, 30 to 40 degrees is fine. Cabbage, that's another one that you can grow in your fall crops. Now, cabbage is something where you can actually pull it up by the roots uh, and you can Put it in a moist bucket of sand or all around the roots there and keep it going. It'll stay good in those cold areas, cool areas in your basement or uh, in your um, root cellar if you have one. But you want to keep that separated and most definitely not around living areas and other crop because it does put off a different odor and the smell. Uh, cabbage, you could do that. It'll last three to four months. Sometimes your outer leaves will turn uh, a dark color, but when you peel those leaves off, you're going to find that those cabbage is just as white and uh, beautiful. It's probably some of the best cabbage you'll ever eat. The taste of it's kind of sweet, and it's just it's really nice. Potatoes is a different thing. Potatoes, you can store those in a root cellar in your basement. Uh, if you're purchasing from farmer's market, you know, ask the varieties. Uh, there's a different uh, variety of, of potatoes, and actually it does make a difference on the storage of them. Some of your better storage, believe it or not, is the Yukon Gold. It's a real uh, great potato for its uh, longevity and storage. Potatoes, again, need to stay above 32 to 40, 80 to 90% relative humidity. And these potatoes are stored right. Again, do them in shred, uh, shredded paper, but make sure they have plenty of ventilation. They can last anywhere from four to nine months in storage. 
uh, depending on the variety as we were talking about. Now, with everything I've talked about so far in storage, there's two things that you need to uh, do before you do anything else. Number one, you pick a place, and then you make sure that it's uh, varmint-proof, stainless steel, screen wire, over and around the outside of your area, uh, if it's in the basement uh, or uh, whatever, if anything can get through. If you're uh, also doing in the basement area of your house, make sure that you have a way to black it out, make sure it's dark, uh, and that uh, you do have some ventilation uh, that's coming from even the top side. That's a good way or a good place to be installing that screen wire we were talking about to keep down the varmints, the rodents or whatever may come in and uh, to uh, help themselves to your harvest. Uh, garlic, onions, uh, one thing you can do with garlics, onions, you can get them on their stems or in kind of a green state, take twine and the actual stems, twist them, hang and braid them together, let them hang and dry, and then you can keep them in that same condition, 32 to 50 degrees, you want them in a dry area. The relative humidity on those need to be lower, 50, uh, 60% relative humidity. Garlic can last up to six months in storage of that type. So again, onions, garlic, you want to keep everything cool. You want to keep everything blacked out, so there's light or sunlight in there, therefore, you don't promote any sprouting or any growth. Uh, you're keeping all of the uh, flavors, keeping all the nutrition in that uh, garlic or onion or potatoes. Pumpkins, uh, pumpkins. Uh, there are several different types of pumpkins. There uh, are a pumpkin they used to call them a pie pumpkin. They were actually a very pale-looking orange. They grew kind of uh, flat-looking. And they would get big, but some of those pumpkins stored in the conditions we're talking about, uh, in dry conditions where they're up off of the ground or the floor, uh, these pumpkins, uh, I've seen them myself last over a year, a lot like butternut squash the whole last six to nine months, um, with the same conditions. Now, if you're going to pull, uh, pumpkins from your garden, you need to let them cure at least uh, eight, 10 days in 80, 85 degree weather. You need to make sure that those skins are cured out, gives them a chance to thicken, and it forms a protective barrier. And so, what we call that is curing the pumpkin or even the squash, you need to do that. And again, these like a temperature pumpkins. 50 to 55 degrees, they can go that high. Uh, 50 to 70% humidity. Uh, winter squash, we talked about, uh, along with butternut, same thing. They like the same type of humidity, the same degrees. Again, make sure you cure them eight to 10 days before putting them in storage. So, this is just going to give you just a few things to do with the excess if your garden's done well. And uh, if not, it gives you an idea of what you could be planning for next year. Uh, again, right now it's time for fall crop gardens, so you still can have that winter storage. Go ahead and get those planted. Now, the next time on Gardening with Daddy Pete, uh, 
or in the near future, we will be most definitely uh, uh, talking about uh, building uh, that root cellar. There's different ways to do that, so we want to make sure that you have a chance to uh, uh, look at that and see what you think about that because uh, a lot of people say, well, I don't have a place to put one. There are so many different uh, designs out there now that if you don't have a basement, you can actually build that root cellar and get the good out of it. Well, uh, if you get a chance, we'd love for you to go to our webpage, daddypeats.com. Look on our uh, uh, podcast. All you do is click on it, and you can look at the archives, what we're doing now. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Also, uh, while you're there, uh, sign up for uh, our monthly uh, newsletter on uh, your email. Uh, we'll give you some good hints there. Also, uh, we don't uh, sell your name or we don't turn it out for advertising, so don't worry about that. Your email address is safe with us. Also, um, if you get a moment, you can look at our different products and how they can help you in your gardening or landscaping or mulching. And I think you'll find that quite interesting also. So until next time, uh, we'll hit on the root gardens. This is Melvin York, and this has been Gardening with Daddy Pete.